Hell yeah. We Let's got a go. lot to cover. We've we've got a lot to cover in an hour. Right off the top, I have to wish everybody, all the fellas out there, happy International <laughs> Men's Day. Finally. <laughs> oh, yeah, finally. Yo. Finally something for the other half. We get our day, man. We get our day. What is the history of And that's actually why Tanya doesn't appear this week. It wasn't because she's out on hiatus. It's actually this because we asked her not to show up yeah. in, <laughs> it's in recognition Ill- of International Men's Day. It's illegal. Out of respect. For anyone not Good male. ally that she is, she's decided to comply. It's actually right. a religious holiday. Um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to look up the history. I, don't, I, don't I am too. I'm looking on the Wikipedia page. Um... It began. It was inaugurated in 1992, on 7th of February, by Thomas Oster. The project of International Men's Day was conceived one year earlier. On <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Wait, what was going on in the early 90s? The longest-running like, celebration shit? of International Men's Day is in Malta. <laughs> oh my God! Malta's for the fellas. <laughs> You know, there has to be some cultural backdrop in this shit, yo. Yeah. Um, the IMD and its grassroots act, they're striving for gender equality and patiently attempt to remove the negative images and the stigma associated with men in our society. <laughs> yo, hold up. There's, in 1968, this American journalist, John P. Harris, I guess, wrote an editorial. This is from the Wikipedia page, highlighting a lack of imba- lack of balance in the Soviet system he said, quote, Harris stated that although he did not begrudge Soviet women, <laughs> Harris stated that although he did not begrudge Soviet women their March Day of Glory, its resulting gender inequality clearly exhibited a serious flaw of the communist system, which makes much of the equal rights as given to sexes. But it turns out, this is it, the women are much more equal than the men. <laughs> Dude, this is under communism in the Soviet Union. Wow. I guess probably because the Bolshevik Revolution was launched on literal International Women's Day, right? Like the yeah. So International that? Men's Day is anti-communist. It is. It's. It is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, it presents a conundrum. Then <laughs> I want to celebrate. I do, but I don't want to buck the revolution. You know what I mean? Or the the pending revolution, I should say. I mean, everybody knows this podcast's long, detailed. Um, descriptions tell stories about prostate uh, um, you know we we have long raised awareness about the plight of the um, modern prostate and um mm-hmm. and so obviously we are in some way uh, you know obliged to celebrate this day but yeah. I'd just like to say I don't regret any of that work. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to bravely confront the stigma, and by God, that's, that's, maybe, that's uh, my cross to bear. This is absurd. May the lump in your prostate never metastasize into cancer. On the- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, may the lump in your prostate just stay local and never, <laughs> never spread. <laughs> they have, like, uh, yearly campaigns, like, yearly themes. 2016's theme was Stop Male Suicide. Well, uh, you know, here's here's an interest. I don't. Uh, I'm not making a value judgment on any of this, but I do know that. Remember when we first kicked up this podcast, and that one dude that was had the men's rights thing, that kept accosting me and sending me like weird, like emotional blackmail text messages. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that. 
This reminds me of this because that was his beat. <laughs> was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a leftist, and we should come on each other's podcast. Also, I edit the men's the men's rights uh, Reddit, and I'm like. Wait, he was, called himself a leftist? There was an early yeah. attempt around 2016-17 to carve out, like, a, a leftist men's rights thing. Or it wasn't a men's rights thing, necessarily. It was, like, raising awareness of, like... Men's issues, yeah, to be fair. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Hey, regardless, if that's... Even if that's totally innocuous, it's uh, abysmal optics. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's not a good look. That's not a good look. Wow. Wow. Well, happy Men's Rights Day. Happy International Men's Day to the dude. I saw going into the liquor store yesterday and successfully pulled off something I've I've never seen and I probably will never see again. My man was not wearing shoes and was not wearing sh- a shirt, but he was wearing a mask and he <laughs> successfully managed to buy liquor. <laughs> no shoes, no shirt, but had the mask. But had the mask. <laughs> Wow! I was like, dude, that guy rocks. That guy fucking rocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, man, shoes, that no is shirt. a he. That is a true hero, and I don't use that lightly. Exactly. Yeah. What, what are they gonna say to you? Exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's like, look, these are hard times. You know, we can't all put on shoes and shirts, but I got the mask. That's I all that matters. Man. Let me in. That'll be a fifth. Thank you. What if? What if he uh, was he using his like shirt as the mask? It's like here's a quick fix. I just take my shirt off and use it as a mask. No, he had a legit mask. Man, I do miss the days of my childhood in Eastern Kentucky where you just could go. They never enforced no shoes, no shirt, no service. No. So you just going anywhere, you know? And in that retrospect, probably not the most sanitary thing in the world, but nah, you know, nah. There's something I love about going to the double quick and getting me a, you know, Coca-Cola and going shirtless. Just walking in. That's the trillest shit in the world. That and peeing outside. (laughs) That's, you know what I'm saying? It's the most manly shit you can do, man. Yeah. Well, speaking of of manly shit, we have, um, you know, uh, if you want to be a real man, you have to learn how to... Eat a little humble pie every now and then. You have to be able to issue a mea culpa. Maybe you did something wrong, said something wrong. You gotta own up to your mistakes in life. And that's what we're doing today. We Today is a big apology tour for all mm-hmm. of those who said we slandered Dolly Parton. Are we going pro-Dolly now? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody told me this before we started recording. I was ready. I was ready. I had the bullets cocked back to go the opposite direction. With it. No, you got to hold the top. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, um, no, we owe an apology to Dolly, and we owe an apology. We owe another apology to Barack Obama. Um, we owe an apology to Dolly for not for for doubting her abilities to save the world, and we owe an apology to Barack Obama for. For stealing the idea of the e-crisis, the uh, epistemological crisis, I had to think for a second. I was like, "Is it epidemiological?" <laughs> well, we have one of those too, with the virus. But <laughs> we stole the idea from him, and we just want to issue an apology. Sorry, Barack. Um, you know, but we're men. You know, we 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 can own our we own mistakes. Up. Yeah. 
Yeah. We have our own shortcomings. So what is was Brock forty four or forty five? Forty four. Now? No, Wait, I mean no, like forty four is president. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now? <laughs> Uh, uh, but I mean, yeah, I heard, I heard it's now the ontological crisis, which which I have to say is a better, uh, it's a more fitting term. It rolls off the tongue better, less syllables, it right? Ontological. Okay, so okay, okay. Let me just get this straight. We need this where we need to start coordinating before we start recording. We're doing ontological crisis. Dolly's good. Sorry, Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got it. Exactly. <clears throat> Changes correct, the yes. course of things, but I got it. Uh, yeah. Um, Back into the good graces of the fans, indeed. That's right. That's right. Um, so, if you if you are interested in hearing me reacting in real time, live on air to the news that Barack Obama had, like Watson and Crick, stumbled upon the DNA helix of our moment and announced that we we're in an epistemological crisis, you can go to the Patreon because I do react to it in real time there. Um, but what was our stance on this this week, fellas? What what is uh is is it that Barack Obama just you know swung and managed to just knock one out of the park, or is it that we are inveterate losers? I myself or tend- or, or let's not discount the possibility of he's a crypto fan of the show. And- <laughs> exactly, that's where I would go. He borrowed a line from us. That, that's where I would go with it. Let's not underestimate our influence here. That the former most powerful man in the world does tune in every once in a while. I mean, he's a multifaceted <laughs> man. Did you see his Spotify playlist? Yeah. You know what I love about that shit? Other than it just being like tucked in between two jazz, like bookended with two jazz uh, standards. But the total, like, just. Okay, maybe this is wrong to say. Okay. No, 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 no. You're among men. No, like, like, only in America, Brooks and Dunn. I'm not, I'm not saying a black man can't enjoy country when I say that. I'm just saying that ain't even their best song. Oh, dude. Neon Moon, come on. I feel like that's the song if you don't listen to country and, you know, Spotify was going to, like, you know, do an algorithm of a generic playlist. You know, of like yeah. songs that are either featured in commercials or where you should play when you want to feel good. Yeah, you know, yeah. driving down like a road. You know, that's that's yeah. what that was, man. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, it's like uh, clear. It's like just like okay, we got to give some concession to these uh, ignorant coal smudge reprobates. Right. Ah, what's that one Brooks and Dunn song I hear all the time on the on the Ford commercial? Well, that's the one I'll slap on here. What he's trying to do is he's trying to rip off the Springsteen Americana. I mean, like, his his book is called A Promised Land. You know what I mean? Like, it, he's got, like, I feel like he's aiming for some sort of, like, Springsteen Americana, nostalgic image of America. You know what I mean? Like, there are no red states, no blue states. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's pretty good. Motherfucker, <laughs> you still believe in that shit, man? God damn, yo. <laughs> man, my man's jacked way up on America. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Oh, dude, right now, man. Chill out, bro. Well, that's what he on. means. It's like by epistemological crisis, right? I guess that's what he's saying is that, like, we have two different visions of America, us and the Trumpers, and um, and we can't come together, I guess, in, in, in unity over... Because we all are operating off a different set of facts, and yeah, yeah, it's like you know. But I don't, I don't think we should give Obama too much credit, though, because 
that is that is a quite you know obvious observation yeah. for anybody. I mean, even he could make it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I mean, we just we we're coming off a three month stint of just uh, we're like, we pull, hey, yeah, we pulled that out of the hat. You don't look at us, bunch of dummies over here. <laughs> we aren't exactly intellectual titans, and even we managed to fucking observe that. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I think that it's you're right, Aaron. It doesn't take any advanced degrees to notice that, um, you know, we're all operating on, you know, different information at different times. Um, on a serious but, uh, note, what I really think, uh, aside from the yuck yucks, I think what Barack Obama means by epistemological crisis is like, let's got away from me a little bit. It's like basically he's saying, if you disagree with me, that's an epistemological crisis. It's if like, you deviate from the optics, then the standards and the norms and the decorum that I've set by being this graceful figure, then we're in an epistemological crisis. I don't really think he's really getting at the neck and essentials of like mm. what it means that we all don't have really a, any sort of accepted collective narrative anymore. So he's covering his own ass, basically. I think that's what his whole project is, man. I think yeah. that's the whole reason Joe Biden's there, like. Like, the, mm. I think in the same way, that's not a one-to-one, okay? I think in the same way that Mitch McConnell has left his imprint on the Republican Party for generations, Barack Obama has, like, it is his party. Mm. And, like, it's clear where his interests and where his loyalties lie and all these things. That's not an original observation by any stretch. But I think if you look at just the whole project right now, They've been trying to protect the legacy absent this sort of super charismatic, like, naturally gifted politician. Yeah. Like, so what they're trying to do is protect this, like, watered-down-ass fucking ACA legacy that he's left behind, but they don't have the aplomb or the panache to, to like, really sell it to us, like, and make us feel good about it. Exactly. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Nah, yeah, I know what you're saying. And, and Joe Biden's, like, you know, uh, the best they can do. Obama <laughs> is, like, I mean, it's just people are expecting another four years of Obama and the right. Democratic Party because they don't actually, you know, offer anything material. They just have to, you know, have a, you know, a figurehead, you know, right. a spectacle, if you, if you will. You know. in, in a way, they whiffed in 2016 on this when they couldn't give us four more years of bill, right? Yeah. And I don't say that, like, I know I take a lot of heat for saying, well, Hillary Clinton is, like, on her own merits and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> murdered a lot of people. What I am saying is that there was a strong current of, like, Clinton nostalgia. You yeah. know what I mean? That was tied to, oh, maybe Bill Clinton will, like, you know, tacitly be the president for four more years yeah. or something like that because yeah. people were in such, like, trying to like glum on to something and you know michelle obama wasn't running and you know yeah you know whatever so i think what they've done is successfully reproduced that but like shifted from the clintons and like okay uh relationship with the clintons is over obamas are my new girlfriend and then the way we get this is by bringing biden in here and then echoes of Kamala Harris, who has, you know, like a lot of those same sort of neoliberal trappings, but like, you know, sort of in a package that's like, you know, more appealing to people. She's charis- she's charismatic, you know, and all these sorts of things. Not white, female, all the, you know, all that. So, uh, Well, I mean, just looking at, looking at the name of Obama's book and the things he said recently in interviews and stuff like that, like I saw a quote recently from him where he was like, 
I still believe in America. I still believe in the promise of America and the dream of America. Like, it's very obvious now that, like, we've just... We have two visions of America competing against each other, right? But its its audience is only a very specific, like, upper-middle-class, you know, stratum of society. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's been a few reports about, like, how they've won... Uh, how the Democrats won in twenty six or twenty twenty, the White House, anyways. Um, there's one in the New York Times that detailed how Georgia turned blue. Um, essentially, the story is that <laughs> essentially the story is that to make up for the decline in the African American vote, they um, made up for it in the suburbs and around Atlanta. Like they got a huge boost in the suburbs. Um, and then one of the crazy. Hold on, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Is this proof Chuck Schumer's 2016 theory correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Listen. In the same way, in in the same way that like, like they, I don't know if you caught this part, Terrence, but I was talking about how like that, in a sense, like basically, this year's election was uh, the fulfillment of the promise of like 2016, and that like. Except for except of like a return to Clinton nostalgia as a return to Obama nostalgia mm-hmm. via Joe Biden. In the same way as Schumer's theory about the moderate Republicans in the suburbs of Philly is that, in a manner of speaking, was he correct? But he had the wrong state and also the wrong leanings of the people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I think. Go, go ahead, Terrence. I was just gonna. I was just gonna give some stats to back that up. Someone had um, tweeted out. I think Matt Carp tweeted out a tale of two blue ohio's um bay village ohio population 15,000 household income 102,917 dollars 66 percent of its residents have bachelor degrees 94 percent white it swung 33 percentage points from 2012 to 2020 in favor of the democrats Compare that with East Cleveland, Ohio, about the same population, but the household income is $21,000, bachelor degree 13%, and race ethnicity is 91% black. From 2012 to 2020, went negative 45 points on the Democrats. They, they, are, yeah. they are explicitly targeting white, educated, wealthy areas, suburbs. They're, they're yeah. not going after working class uh, black, Latino, or working class white people. They are, speci- they are exclusively targeting wealthy, educated people in suburbs, exactly like they said they would in 2016. Which, um, and so now they're they're having a very, you know, very small, or I guess it could be a very large needle to thread here, in, depending on which way you look at it, because it seems to me that Biden has is starting to try to make some of these overtures to the left that are completely empty. They're not like, they don't really have anything, but like, it seems to me like him and Obama right now, their whole project is trying to piece together a coalition, like a new coalition, a promised land coalition, call it whatever the fuck you want. Well, I wanted to mention something cause you're talking about the strategy of appealing to uh, suburban uh, moderate conservatives and um, how these two counties in Ohio, the differentiation between that um, that demographic showing up, white, upper-middle-class, suburban conservatives versus people of color, right, working people of color. And I was talking to Malika Jabali um, about this very thing in the Midwest, actually. And what what I found interesting is um, if, if it wasn't for Trump, like, forget 
you know, if he had a better response to COVID, but if it just, I guess, yeah, he had a better response to COVID, but he also wasn't so grotesque, I guess, you know, like those kind of factors, would people have turned out for Biden? Actually, probably bringing up, if he got through another stimulus and, you know, Mitch McConnell was willing to work with him on that, um, and his response was better, actually, yeah, I do wonder if these people would have turned out, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure. And threading that needle between kind of paying lip service and saying that we're still the party of like, you know, people of color and, you know, young people, but also trying to target these folks. It's I don't know. It seems untenable. Like you're playing with fire, you know? Well, I mean, it's we talked about this a few months ago, but there was a story about how some members from the I believe it was like the Black Congressional Caucus who we're telling the Biden campaign, the Biden administration, like, look, you have to make a choice. You can't simultaneously say you want diversity in corporate, you know, boardrooms and in Wall Street and at the same time dedicate yourself to large populist left wing policies that will help working people. You have to pick. There's you know, I mean, and and, and, mm-hmm. and it's we're in this weird sort of limbo uh, well, it's not even that. I mean, it's probably intentional. It's probably tactical from the Dems. But we are in this position where they're giving lip service to those very things, as you were just mentioning. And at the same time, they are targeting, they're specifically catering to, uh, um, uh, you know, white, affluent suburban people. So it's like, I think I got, I think I lost y'all. I think I got cut off, but I was talking about Biden's, you know, student loan proposals. I mean, did y'all see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the figure floating around was fifty thousand, like a like a week ago, and now today it's like ten thousand, with with like some qualifiers. A lot of qualifiers. Jesus, the qualifiers are. Let's see if I can pull them up. The qualifiers is you have to have a private non federal student loan, and you have to be economically distressed. And and the, you know who the fuck even knows what that means? I mean, like that could mean anything. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I'm going to drop a pile of unpaid bills on your doorstep for my proof of financially <laughs> distressed. This, this will be their strategy go going into these runoff elections in Georgia. Now we're in a very curious, you know, very interesting place where Georgia is the state that fucking, you know, Jesus, man. will decide all this. It, we'll decide if the Democrats have a majority in the Senate and all bruh, that. Bruh, I'm not a prognosticator, you know what I'm saying? I've been living here for about seven years now, right? And I don't mean to pop anybody's bubble, but if you thought that John, John Hotsaw, I mean, we're not gonna skip it. Hey, hey, all right, I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna like whittle it down to John Hotsaw, but he's not winning, man, against David Purdy, okay? Warnock and Leffler, on the other hand, because I think that she is, I, I, I know I'm in my own little bubble, especially in Atlanta. But I really do think her selling stocks, her and her husband selling stocks right before the pandemic really hit is like just looked upon disfavorably by a lot of these people who voted for Biden, you know, this time around, you know, like she kind of has that same sort of stench, I guess, that Trump does, especially, you know, tying herself so close. I mean, and they all do. But I think her specifically seems to be more in that sort of, you know, crony capitalism, unconscionable sort of like whatever it is like the bare minimum that offends these people you know which would make them vote for um a democrat like warnock but 
I'm just telling you, man, I live down here and I don't think, I don't know. I was wrong about Biden, you know, turning Georgia blue. I was wrong about that. But this just seems like insane that people are hinging a Democratic controlled Senate on two seats in Georgia. Like, that's just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Dude, that is the that's the dossiest shit you could imagine, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like you are dancing on like a razor's edge. You know, I don't. I don't it's. And in particular, John Ossoff. <laughs> Bruh, John Ossoff, man. I mean, did y'all see the Axios video where they were asking him? <laughs> that shit was so fucking good. <laughs> he was just swatting away every progressive proposal, like, flatly. Yeah. yeah. He was like, do you support anything at all that would materially benefit yeah. anybody's <laughs> life in your state? That was like... <laughs> Medicare for all? No. Green Deal deal? No. no. Rent control? No. no. I mean, like, just going down the fucking list. Just, no, 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 no. <laughs> Thing is, bro, if you had, like, like an ounce of political acumen and charisma you you might be able to pull that shit off you know what i mean oh, but he's dead but he's like dude he's like the most like lifeless guy on top of not believing in anything <laughs> dude he's like dead like he's physically like you know when you you know when you're just next to somebody and stand next to somebody you don't even have to talk to them but you just feel the presence maybe the emanating warmth of a living body yeah. nah bro this guy <laughs> is cold as fucking ice dude. like he is not a human being at all. Uh, it's oh it's God. interesting. Like, you know, I'm reading this New York Times article, and they're talking about George, like how Georgia turned blue, right? And so they've got this interesting infographic in the middle of it, like how different kinds of places in Georgia changed from 2016 to 2020. Change in share of the two party vote, plus seven points. Um, so. In favor of the Democrats, seven-point increase in favor of the Democrats in high-income areas, six-point increase in favor of major majority college grads, six-point increase in suburban areas, five-point increase in majority age 65 and over, and then just one percentage point increase in rural, whiteless, educated, and majority black. And so, I mean, you know, reading these numbers... We had said this probably, I don't even remember the episode, but you could probably go back a year ago when we were very skeptical of Bernie's chances in this race. Um, uh, the the ultra-left phase of Trillbilly, as, as the, uh, the hardcore fans probably refer to it as. Um, it, but it's like, I, I remember thinking, like, maybe about a year ago, like, you know, the, thi- the thing about America is that it is a true bourgeois democracy in the sense that the bourgeois in the petty bouche like they're they're the ones who decide these elections and they're fine mm-hmm. with a contested senate and congress as long as like the figurehead running it like to the face of the empire uh, is just not as bad and nasty as as trump and you saw that this this was kind of mirrored in kentucky when people gave bev in the boot what what i'm trying to say here is that these numbers whether in georgia or in ohio just prove that workers have you know the working class and the poor have very, very little say and very little input in the electoral process. Um, and maybe we should have been more upfront about that, about Bernie going into it. Maybe we were <clears throat> kind of, you know, in denial about that fact. Well, we were riding high, man. Yeah. You know, we were riding high. And this was way before COVID or any of this shit. So it seemed at that time, like, you know, the sky was the limit. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um, well, 
Speaking of Georgia, this would be a good little place to sort of step sideways and, uh, uh, you know, explore Georgia a little bit more and um, and to look at, honestly, the chances of these two Democratic candidates in the runoff elections in, in January. And um, to help these two candidates over the finish line, to get them, uh, you know, finishing first with you know the picture finish and everything is going to be none other than fighter pilot amy mcgrath who has launched a super pack to influence georgia runoffs (laughs) as if you proved herself to be nothing but capable as if you didn't need a a bigger harbinger of doom (laughs) kiss of death right the kiss of death the kiss of death Oh my <sighs> God! What is the name of her Man. Democratic Majority Action? Is the name of her super PAC? Um, yeah, she something she couldn't deliver in her own state. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I was any, if I was involved in either of these campaigns, I'd say no. <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> Wave it off, man, because you can't, man. She's the fucking yeah. She's the fucking kiss of death. She's just a fuck. She's a loser. I mean, they love losers. Every every time I see Claire McCaskill on um, MSNBC, I'm just like, it just reminds me that this party is just, it, it, they, the idea of winning to them and governing is just anathema, man. Oh, yeah. So they just like, it's just a revolving door of these fucking losers. And Amy McGrath is the latest one in one of the most, in the most consequential fucking race in a long time. And she's going down there. Jesus. Well, yeah, if you if you didn't need a better, you know, crystal ball, you know, uh, sort of prediction as to how this will turn out, look no further than the help they're getting. (laughs) Calling in the cavalry. Yeah. Well, um, so that about covers Georgia, the elections, everything going on. Earlier at the top of the show, we said we had an apology to make, and, um... And so now it's time to eat crow, fellas. Now it's time to eat some humble pie. I hope you have got your bibs on and you're ready to get after it. Um, because our very own Dolly Parton is single-handedly responsible for saving America. Um, because she was... Again. Because she contributed to the vaccine trial. Because Jad Rob's dad from radio lab helped her in a car crash dude okay i'm sorry but something about that story doesn't add up so the story is this this was in the washington post the story is this that dolly parton was in a car accident in 2013 and jad Rod's dad was the one who helped her back why the fuck was dolly parton driving a car <laughs> that's what i want to know <laughs> was she driving or was she like in there when she or like was she a passenger, was she a passenger or what I don't know what, I mean, even if she was a passenger, why the fuck, dude, celebs don't get into car accidents, <laughs> unless Prince, unless you're Princess Diana, that's the only celeb, really, <laughs> and Paul Walker. Hey, celebrities don't get into car accidents. If she, was she driving like fucking Paul Walker, like? <laughs> well, I mean, like, there are two kinds of accidents you get into as a celebrity or a politician. Either you get an accident yourself or you kill somebody. Yeah, someone, yeah, like, someone like, cut like, your brake lines. Like, yeah. I guess yeah. the, the better question is, why, was, why wasn't why was Dolly driving drunk? 
That's the she was driving sober. Are you saying she would have been a better driver had she driven drunk? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> famous people don't drive themselves. Famous people, here's what happens with famous people. They never drive themselves until they get drunk, then they want to drive. <laughs> <laughs> then it's like, I got this. I got <laughs> this. And nobody knows how to tell them no. So. Oh my god! I find it to be kind of a fishy story, kind of like when she lopped her toes off on a piece of glass and her dad sewed them back on. Kind of weird. And Wait, never what? went to the hospital. I find that super curious too. <laughs> Wait, she got her toes cut off on glass and got them sewed back. On. In that podcast in Dolly's America, she said she hopped over a fence, landed on a a broken mason jar. <laughs> It's just like, which is just like total like y'all star fabrication, and it cut all of her toes off. Wait, all of them on one of her feet, and she had to like she had to get them. She had to go home, and her mom sewed them on. Get this, with needle and sewing thread. <laughs> Tom, I'm sure some fucking nerd will fact check you on this and be like, actually, she had she just. Cut the subcutaneous level of her fatty tissue. And she never said her toes yeah, came no, off. I, she said her toes came off. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it's pretty funny because <laughs> the Dolly thing is like, whatever, dude. I mean, I don't even really care. I didn't have the energy to fight about Dolly Parton on the internet this week. And honestly, you probably should never try it because... For whatever reason, people need to believe she's God incarnate. Um, oh yeah, and so oh, yeah. you know, you 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 are taking your life into your own hands the minute you walk out onto the TL with some Dolly hate. So more power and courage to you. I'm looking at you, Mister Sexton. <laughs> well, I'm no coward. So I'll tell you what I did. I just went out there and told the truth. <laughs> Here's the thing about Dolly. Okay, here's the thing about Dolly. I don't expect that everybody in capitalist America shares my sense of morality, R.E. capitalism, okay? Uh Uh-huh. I don't. I think most people, even, like, good people, like, decent people, think that, like, the pursuit and the accumulation of wealth and we should get more money is, like, generally accepted as, like, a good thing. Absolutely. Not necessarily virtuous or anything, but, like, you should do that. To, yeah. you know, even leftists I know facilitate your own upper. even people left fellow leftists I know if somebody starts making money they're like you know ma- good on you you know what I mean like you know unless, yeah. unless you're Chapo Trap <laughs> <laughs> then we want that shit or us <laughs> <laughs> yeah as long as you have a Patreon that's what it becomes yeah. a problem alright 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 but here's what I do expect people that you know claim to be decent to share my morality about is maybe don't have a dinner theater that recreates the Civil War in some, how should we put this, uh, decidedly ahistorical terms. <laughs> and I'm talking about the Dixie Stampede, of course, which people on the TL will be quick to point out, oh, she quit doing that years ago. And by years ago, we mean 2018. <laughs> 2018's when Dolly quit flying the Confederate flag over dinner at the Dixie Stampede. That's one Dolly myth-making thing that we should stifle. The other thing people will say to you is this. They will say to you, 
Well, Dolly's not even Dolly's not even uh, involved in the day to day at Dollywood any longer. I don't know why you all persist in putting that on her. She just licenses her name to the place. Well, there's another guy that also just <laughs> licenses his name to places. And he's the guy that you all are fucking losing your shit about putting children in cages on the borders. <laughs> okay, that's what that. Wait, 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 top, top, top. Hold on. Are you just to clarify? Are you drawing a parallel between Valley Park <laughs> and Donald Trump? <laughs> and Trump. Hold on, hold on. I ain't done. I ain't done yet. I'm, I'm not. I'm not drawing any parallels. I'm just dispelling myths. Okay. Please continue, please. I'm just the myth buster here. Okay. <laughs> Here's the other thing about Dollywood. You're fucking stupid if you think she's not active in the day-to-day operations. Just take, for example, hold on one second, let me pull it up here. In a Billboard magazine article dated, oh man, this is ancient, August 15th, 2020. (laughs) Dolly Parton steers her empire through the pandemic and it keeps on growing. (laughs) I just want to take a quick survey of people on the left here. How many people think we should be in the empire business? Just by a show of hands. <laughs> Didn't think so. Oh, my God. Uh, here it says, uh, Cash Money Records... Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> cash Money Records was founded by brothers Brian Birdman Williams and Ronald Slim Williams. Hold on a second. That's the wrong article. <laughs> ah, damn it. This so, is the so problem. Not only is she comparable to Donald Trump, but also, like, Joe Exotic. And Birdman. Before he went to... And Birdman. And Birdman. From Cash Money Records. Oh, man. Uh, that's a pretty sus crowd, man. Uh, okay, I take okay. it. I take it. I believe you. Well, I look. Um, stall for a second while I pull this up. So, <laughs> I, I, I'll stall. I like this because I'm usually the one on this show who's like the edge lord, asshole, or whatever. The one who intentionally dismantles sacred cows just to either hum a few bars, just to get some content out of the week, squeeze some content. Or to genuinely piss people off, which I do like to do from time to time. And so I, for one, am happy that it's not me this time. I get to play innocent bystander and say, you know what? Um, You know, Dolly's just there. Well, you had, you had your you had a in the Patreon, Terrence. You you had your own moment of tearing down idols when you like you know called out Gandhi for being a uh, <laughs> child molester. He was also a racist. So I mean, this I think this is what this show should be about. Well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm I, I agree. I agree. The difference between Gandhi and Dolly is that Gandhi never wrote any hit jams. You know, so it's like. People don't, I mean, maybe some nerds have a really hard time, you know, decoupling their <laughs> celeb obsession from Gandhi, but it's like, for whatever reason, man, this country is so celeb obsessed. It, it is just yeah. like, they cannot conceive, they cannot hold two ideas in their minds at once. They just cannot conceive of Dolly as anything less than... Jesus Christ. A good man. entertainer, a good songwriter, good guitar player. Like, she is all those things. But, like, when you start ascribing, like, a morality to her that is, by her own admission, she flatly rejects, it's just weird. Okay. <clears throat> On the morning of March 13th, this is from Billboard magazine. In <laughs> August of 2020. That's this year, if folks keep it scoring home. Yeah. <laughs> Dolly Parton arrived at her at her Dollywood theme park. Her 
<laughs> Dollywood theme park. <laughs> the crown jewel in her multi-million dollar empire. <laughs> For an annual preview day for season pass holders. Located in the town of Pigeon Forge in East Tennessee, not far from where she grew up, the park had introduced a number of changes in the reaction to the coronavirus pandemic, including the installation of over 300 hand sanitizer stations. The event was also supposed to show visitors how prepared Dollywood was to open the next day. Parton stayed all day to monitor the park which bears her name... And meet with Dollywood <laughs> staff to talk about the latest news of the pandemic. By the time she left that night, though, she was no longer convinced opening was a good idea. We came to the conclusion that COVID trends were getting too extreme, says Craig Ross, the president of the Dollywood Company, which co-owns Splash Country Water Park, the Dream More Resort and Spa, and Dollywood Smoky Mountain Cabins, as well as eight dinner theaters and restaurants in Tennessee, Missouri, and South Carolina, presumably... The now defunct Dixie Stampede. <laughs> so I turn that to you, friends. If something is described as being mine and the crown jewel of my multi-million dollar empire, would you all say it's safe to assume that I have some uh, agency over what goes on over there? Also, like, this, is, this was written in August, and... 2020 pandemic, not 2019 or 2018 or and the pandemic started what and like we knew about it like since january but really popped off in march in and march dollywood was still operating like for business during this whole time yeah I that's love, not a good look y'all here's what's gonna, here's <laughs> what's gonna happen somebody's gonna see that and say if ignore everything i said and say <laughs> well what visionary leadership she she displayed by shutting it down if, in fact, we can agree that Dolly does have, at least, in part, a hand in what goes on there. <laughs> Let me tell you what goes on there. $9 an hour wages. They got a goddamn... Somebody came into the mentions the other day talking about, oh, well, actually, there's like a, a free clinic there that's free for all the workers. And a lot of people go there just because it's the only place they can afford health care. <laughs> But they framed that as like that was like a like a good thing, like a benefit thing. You know what I mean? That's a company town, yeah. That's a company <laughs> town, y'all. And also, let me ask you a question: If I've got prostate cancer, am I going to go to Dollywood to treat that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like basically, what you have is like rapid. Care. It's Dolly Care. It's like a rapid care with like Dolly's face on it. Right. Wait, but Tom, if you if you get coronavirus while while working at Dollywood. You can get treated, right? That's like part of the empire and the ver vertical, in vertical integration is what it is. Man. Right. Yeah, that's right. true. I mean, if that's how you're going to run an empire, that's probably the most efficient uh, way to did do you, it. Right? Are, are none of you aware that at Sextonwood Amusement Park, where people go to get bilked out of their cash uh, playing... Hey, this in, isn't about inter me. Interminable okay. poker games. <laughs> <laughs> rook, rook tournaments. You're telling me that Sexton Wood is not Tom Sexton is not involved in the day-to-day -day operations of Sexton Wood? Interesting. Or the creative direction. <laughs> or the creative direction. The naming of it. Uh, the very hornily naming of it. I think it's so goddamn funny, dude. That they that like. Okay, like even if you're like, oh, she just licenses her name to it. 
uh, that's not much better. You know what I mean? Like, oh, she's licensing her name to like a fiefdom with roller coasters where people are suffering and like getting paid nothing. And this is the number one attraction in the state of Tennessee, a state that contains Nashville. You right. know what I mean? I mean, like, I think you find that a lot where people will be like, well, you know, this person that was in charge of like, you know, whatever empire was, whether it was like a theme park or amusement park or like a clothing line. Right. Um, and people bring forth accusations of like um, unsafe work or unsafe work conditions or like, you know, um, low wages. And because there's this reification of like businesses and just the personhood of like, you know, an LLC or anything like that. The, like people can divorce in their mind like Dollywood from Dolly Parton. Well, she must not have known because like this thing is like self-automating, right? Right. Like it's its own, you know what I mean? And that, that's really, that's creepy when people do that. I'm like, it, it does have her name on it though. It's the, ment- like it's just insane mental gymnastics, dude. And the thing, I was talking to my friend Yisra before I got on the horn hair with y'all. And we were talking about how like, but there's like a lot of like particularly white leftists that will like just go in on like why Killer Mike's a huge piece of shit, but like deifies like Dolly Parton. You know what mm. I mean? Mm. And it all like one one thing that's apples and oranges because like I think Mike's politics obviously have some blind spots, right? But yeah. like, and I mean, he's like he he will say the same thing Dolly will say. I'm an avowed capitalist. Like Dolly mm. says that on the damn podcast. You know what I mean? Like mm. about her, that like I'm a businesswoman. Like first and foremost, I'm a businesswoman. And I just think that there's like this weird trend of like I know like right like Fred Hampton says you know like you don't solve black poverty with black capitalism. Yeah. But in another way, it's like feels weird for me as like a a white leftist like commentator whatever you want to Mm -hmm. call me to like cast aspersions on like black people benefiting from that same system does that make you know what i'm saying like it feels like it it feels like an outgrowth of like the magical negro thing where like you there's a there's a morality that should just be ascribed to black people that like you know what i'm saying it's like the black girl magic thing and all that kind of stuff yeah i mean well given given historical context right i mean like as a black dude like i obviously feel more comfortable like going after people like killer mike but it's also like this understanding where of course black capitalism isn't going to save us but I could see how black people generally would favor the idea of free enterprise given, you know, historical and social context. And it's just kind of weird when, like, you know, white folk on the left are going after, like, one person but decidedly not another. Right. You know, and I get a lot of that has to do with, like, you know, your proximity to, like, culture and, you know, just personal taste. But it's just kind of like, yo, maybe you should back the fuck up. Like, you know, take take a seat, bro. Take a couple seats. But also, but also just, like, it, it, too, to tack onto that, it's just, like, on paper, like, Killer Mike isn't even in the realm of Dolly Parton. Killer Mike ain't got, like, hundreds of people on the payroll and, like, you know what I mean? Like, nah. fuck you got it. a couple wing places in Atlanta, and that's about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like, not even good. That shit is trash. <laughs> he's got a barber shop. You know what I mean? <laughs> he got a barber shop. A small steak in Cripple Cola. Where you can get wigs. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's just so it's like I don't know, man. It's just like that 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 whole shit is like if we're gonna judge everybody on balance, you gotta acknowledge there's some like baked in racism there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like as yeah. far as the celebs yeah. go. Yeah. 
yeah. Well, I think the larger project in both cases, and especially the the American obsession with celebrities, I think is um, yeah, a very effective mechanism for killing class consciousness. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's you you know you you see the way these people, like you said, Tom, they do these mental gymnastics to like justify the exploitation of workers and stuff because it's Dolly. You know, it's not it's not the same. It's Dolly. Yeah. You know, it's like. Well, they're still working. They're still selling their labor. They're still probably got another job outside of fucking Dollywood because they can barely make ends meet. It's just like, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's a very hard thing to talk about because um, it give it giveth and taketh away. Because in many ways, I feel like Bernie was so popular because he has his own kind of little sort of celeb status as well. Yeah. And so it's like, in in some ways, I'm like, is is celeb the you know is celebrity the only way to, like, you know, mediate people's people's class consciousness or or I don't know, not serious. Nah, I think, I think that's that has some merit, man. Because like y'all know, I'm like fucking uh, told you guys I'm reading DeBoer and there's there's a section where he talks about stars. He's talking about celebrities. And how they're kind of atomized avatars of the spectacle, yeah. right? So, like, they're, you know, it seems like they have this freedom to do whatever they want, but they themselves are permitted, right, to do certain things that fit into the grander, large presentation of this, like, false unreality. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It, you Imagine know, what would that, happen that, to Dolly if she yeah. started talking about communism or something, or, or actually, <laughs> or, or just, you don't even have to go that far. Imagine, yeah, imagine if she started talking about, like, I don't know, like the working class. I don't know. I mean, maybe she'd be fine, but it's you're right. I think that there's things that even they can't say. I mean, look what happened to fucking Colin Kaepernick, you know? like With Nike now, though, he got recruited. True, you're right. He got rehabilitated. You're right. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. No, you, you. Well, Dolly is uh, Donald Trump as well as Gandhi, <laughs> and, and she gave people COVID. In the end, we all contain multitudes. The thing know? about this, what else can you say? The thing about COVID and all of this is, it was always going to have to redound to the capitalist benefit. That's part of the fucked up thing about living in the society we now live in. Is that like for us to dig ourselves out of this COVID thing? I was, I was listening to the story on NPR this morning. I mean, do you realize how much money is going to have to be spent to disperse, just in America, 350 million vaccines? Like, they're going to have to, I mean, they're hiring some tech company in, like, Connecticut or some shit like that. Like, the guy guy who started the the Priceline um, website or whatever, like, they're hiring him to, like, roll out this innovative new kind of syringe that's kind of honestly gave me sort of Theranos Elizabeth Holmes vibes. It's like not a real syringe. It's like sort of a throwaway one. Um, just a little tiny one that, you know, you that has the vaccine in it. But anyways, I mean, that it's so fuck. It's so much money. And like how much money Pfizer and Moderna are going to get for these vaccines. I mean, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's like, you couldn't really ask for a better argument for nationalizing the sort of entire pharmaceutical industry, entire healthcare industry. But like, I don't know. It's, oh, it, and it's yeah. Nah, especially like thinking about like getting the vaccine out to more rural areas, you know, like, you know, getting it out to like working class, like populations of color, especially who are like, you know, disproportionately affected by the virus. And 
I don't like logistically, like I don't see in the current like socio-political context, like the way this country is set up institutionally, I don't really see that being a I don't see that being a thing for at least like another year or two, you know, like after the initial vaccine comes out. Maybe I'm being pessimistic, but it just uh, I don't know. That's another thing in this now that I'm thinking about it. Like, why the fuck don't people ever ask, like, is it not just really bleak that we have to rely on the philanthropy of bil- millionaires and billionaires to, like, <laughs> get any relief yes. at all? I mean, it's like, how fucking bleak is that? <laughs> like, I don't know. Dude, I was watching, I was watching the, um, this is kind of related, a little tangent, but I was watching the SpaceX and NASA launch to the ISS. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um. My sister was like, CNN for a minute got off of the election and Trump news. My sister was like, isn't this cool? And I was like, no, like it's not. You know, she was like, oh, it's space. Like, give me a break. And I'm like, dude, like it's, you know, we used to do this shit like without relying on private industry. Right. You know? <laughs> and she had the nerve to bring up the Soviet Union. And I was like, that's a perfect fucking example. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, why is Elon Musk? I mean, I know why. It's because we shrank the budget of NASA, and it's just not now that we're not like, you know, trying to go to war with like the Soviet Union and send missiles like, you know, into space and like across the fucking world. Like the the prospect of like just just for curiosity's sake, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is not that's not enough. That's not enough incentive. So part of that too is future asteroid mining. You know, future colonization of space for resources and shit like that. Elon Musk is going to be leading the way. Yep. Yeah. Man, that is so beyond bleak. <laughs> Elon Musk and Tom Sexton of Sexton Wood Enterprises Industries. What kind of amusement park rides? In partnership with the Bureau of Land Management. I, I, I'm trying to think of rides that you would find at Sexton Wood Park. Um, you would drive over a large bridge, and that's just the ride. You just get an anxiety attack driving over a bridge. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like do you have I forget what the name for bridge fear is but it's like only people that have that can ride this ride you have pe- I need a note from your psychiatrist saying you have this specific phobia okay good okay now strap yourself in that's the terror that's the horrifying part or like you you go through like one of those tunnels at the end of like a or the beginning of a football game you know what I mean like the human tunnel and people are just sneezing on you the whole time, and the terror is like, oh shit, I got fucking Legionnaire's disease. <laughs> That's the terror of it. <laughs> it's all based on, like, Sexton Wood would all be based on very niche anxieties, hypochondria, and gambling. <laughs> it's all I love, baby. Chasing a little trim here and there. <laughs> Oh man, we can turn this into reality. <laughs> Fucking synth music piped over the the PA system. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, sorry, Tom. I'm a strange individual. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting. It I would have would have go to that. That 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 sounds a little bit too much like my actual like existence. <laughs> like I'm good. I think I would have like oh, I already have like crazy anxiety. I would think I would die. Like I would die. Well, um. Speaking of anxiety and, uh, you know, uncertainty about the future, I kind of just wanted to take a few minutes to just talk about COVID um, because I, you know, for the past few nights in a row, 
and you know, full disclosure, this is also partially informed by the fact that both my parents got COVID, and just listening to them like talk about their experiences with it, and just it's just completely unreal. But for the past few nights in a row, I've been there's been a point I've reached. Like you know, I'll eventually just get I'll get so stoned that I'll just hit a point of just total freak out about COVID. I don't know if this happens. Oh, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> oh, no. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is why I like having Aaron on the show now. I have a fellow... Um, <laughs> a fellow weed smoker. A fellow pessimist? Yes, a fellow pessimist a fellow in pothead. A fellow smoking pessimist? <laughs> yes. Um, but no, I, I kind of found myself last night in this, in this sort of mental space where I had sort of... You ever seen that movie um, Contact with Jodie Foster? Yes, I fucking love that That's, movie. That yo. movie's awesome. It's so fucking... I've seen that shit like ten times. Yes. Um, like, there's that scene towards the end where she, like, goes through the fucking whatever it is, you know, and... The wormhole. Wormhole, whatever the fuck she goes through, and she ends up on the beach of some, like, distant world, and her father is there, and she's just kind of, like, got... Like this, you know, this sensation of awe, you know, like mm. just this mixture of like fear and wonder. And mm. I kind of felt like that's where I had landed last night. Um, and it's where I've kind of felt the past week because this past week it has been a total, I don't know how to explain it, but you've got several different things going on at once. Um, maybe the most prevalent of which is that governors are now starting to shut down their states. Pennsylvania, New Mexico, mm. we're talking about it here in Kentucky. But the the language and the way that they talk about this is, is just, it, it'll just send you for a total fucking loop. Because... I don't if I don't know. I mean, if any of you have still been paying attention to your governors, most of you have probably tuned them out a long time ago, and rightfully so. But if you have been, you'll have noticed that over the course of the past two weeks or so, they're like, well, well, we probably need to shut down soon. We probably... They've all been saying this. They've all been saying, we're thinking about shutting down again soon. We're, go- we're thinking about it. We're, it's, it's probably going to happen. And, and then some of them will take baby steps to do it. Some of them will actually go all the way out into doing it. But it has created this very bizarre situation, in my personal opinion, where you've got these governors just basically saying... Well, we know things are bad, and we know that people are dying, but are they bad enough yet to go back mm. to where we were in April and May? And th- all the implications built into that, all the assumptions built into that, are so mind-numbing. It is just completely, I don't know, it's just completely mind-numbing. If you go back in time to April, uh, March or April or whatever, um, and you read some of the things that people were saying back then, it is just it's insane how little disregard for life we had entered into this pandemic with yeah i mean people back then were saying they were making literally going on tv every night and making these calculations about how much human life was acceptable how much you know some people are going to have to die but we can't risk shutting down the economy and this became the justification for opening it back up and i have to ask myself i really have to wonder if if the numbers we're seeing now, just if it if it gets through to them at all, you know what I mean? Because I feel like the numbers we're seeing now far far exceed anything we even envisioned back in March and April. If you would have told me yeah. back in March and April that by November we would have 
a quarter million people dead? You know, I mean, a million ca- new cases within two weeks in November. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Have but, Have y'all seen uh, the movie uh, fucking Contagion? I think it's been a long. Does it have um, Dennis or Hoffman, uh, Dustin Hoffman, or, or am I thinking of a different? Um, virus I think it's movie? Di- <laughs> Um, this is the this is the serious virus movie. Um, in 2011, it had Marion Cotillard, Cotillard, I think Matt Damon, Lawrence Fritz. Yeah, that the ensemble cast were like half of these motherfuckers die. Right? That was that was that was, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, was that was part of the appeal. Steven of the movie, Soderbergh it was like, yeah. oh shit, you know they killed Gwyneth Paltrow. God damn, yo. Um, but I was watching that movie at the beginning of the virus. This is like, I mean, this is like April, man, or. May, I don't know, we were going through that first kind of wave, right? I'm watching this movie with my uh, my ex, and I got this really chilling feeling, not because the movie was an accurate representation to what was going on, and the movie is, like, truly horrifying in its portrayal of, like, the virus itself, but the response from gov- the government, right, and governments across the world, even amidst the societal breakdown, was something that I could not see replicated in the real world. And that's what scared the shit out of me, right? Is right. that this movie is about the worst case scenario. And even in this movie, you have military scientists and some of the most like, you know, leading epi- um, epi- epidemiologists and, you know, world leaders and even characters themselves. Like, like I don't think that there was like this element of doubt and denial that there even is like a virus. And I can't. I couldn't even finish watching it because I was like, "Yo, this is like dead ass a better world." Yeah. Like I wish we were in the movie because <laughs> where they, all these where the ensemble cast dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yo, I would have been like, you know, like a fucking background person. I probably would have lived, or I would have been a body of the corpse. Like I don't fucking know. But like they went through massive death and got through it, and we are literally now still creeping through and looking looking forward to a winner with no aid, you know, where people are going to be like, you know, trapped inside, people people are going to go out and be trapped inside and passing it amongst one another and it's like yeah, how much how many more people have to die? Is there even like an upper limit? I don't think there I don't think there actually is. The, all of this has been baked into like the way sort of ideology gets reproduced like in real time. It's I mean it's really bizarre. I'm not trying to get Doomer with this. I mean, once again, I think... Man, like Tom said, there ain't no such thing as Doomer, motherfucker. If you could, like, yeah. you know, you got two eyes and you can see what the fuck is going on. Exactly. Yeah. Just look at the fucking... Look at society around you. There's no... I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't really know, um, you know, if people tune into this to feel better about themselves or about the world or whatever. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, but, like, I guess the only thing I'm trying to point out with all this is just how, in real time... Um, human life just gets written off and how you just you see it like right in front of you i mean there was an article i don't know if you guys saw this it was going around i believe it was on sunday or monday in bloomberg um from some dipshit named tyler cowan covid is increasing america's lead over china as the post-pandemic world order takes shape it's clear that the u.s still has huge advantages this article basically says that because so many people died because we have incurred so much mass casualty and loss we are ipso facto superior to the chinese because it proves that we're more resilient 
and we're stronger and we're braver and we can channel all that into medical innovation and developing vaccines and relying on our capitalist institutions and this is literally re- fascism no I, it, wait, wait, hold on it also shit i was gonna go the opposite direction it, it also does kind of sound like what sub leftists would like referencing the soviet union you know like post-world war ii and the casualties incurred and then you know the proliferation after that and i mean i'm not saying like you know fucking stop i mean i ain't gonna even go there right before people fucking think that i'm like <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to endorse like some certain ideas or whatever but like it, it does seem like that kind of like argument where it's like oh yeah like you know we're better off because we were able to incur such like you know mass casualties and damage and we're still humming and ticking along and i don't really know if that's a good side you know yeah like that way you know what i mean yeah yeah that's uh that's not a good side i i think that um it's weird you know and terrence were talking about this a little bit the other day but it's like the thing the like these weird myths or like half truths about china that you always hear people like that spout off like female infanticide and like Mm. all these different things like you know I'm, i'm sure that china's got its own shit like anywhere else but it's funny that like the things we like criticize them for whether true or not are the things that we're trying to we're doing to prove our superiority to them you know what i mean letting people yeah. die and so forth yeah you absorbing I mean? all of this yeah I, th- extremely fucking that's weird. this is the thing that's why like i'm not trying to get doomer with this i'm not trying to say like things are just oh, these are we're all gonna die things are gonna get bad the point I'm trying to make with this, the overall point I'm trying to make with this, is that if you are a leftist or any, even somebody who just marginally cares about human life, I like want you genuinely, sincerely to ask people, like, is this the world you want to live in? I mean, really? Is this the society you want to live in where, where we just, in real time, rationalize death like that? I mean, just m- rationalize yeah. casualties like that right off human life on a massive scale, I think it's—I don't know—I—I I, I just think that it's a challenge uh, to all of us. It's just like—I—I I don't know. It's—it's it's, once again, it's just like it, if you open up your eyes, you'll just uh, daily will be astounded by just the the sort of casual disregard for human life. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it uh. It, I was thinking about my bad. Go ahead. All I was going to say is I'm just pleading with people to just don't let that, don't let it harden you. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that is their goal. That is truly what they want here. They want you to become desensitized to it. They want you to become Mm -hmm. just totally like, well, that's just, that's, that's, that's the cost. That's the price of being America. And it's like, that's, that does not have to be the case. You know, we do not have to make these choices. We don't have to let people die. None of this was inevitable. I don't know. I, once again, it's just... It, I find myself morally repulsed, but also in awe, just watching it happen in real time. Um, yeah. And it, the turnover is so insane. The normalization of it has been, like, so... It was. It's almost immediate, right? Yeah. It's almost like the... It, I think that if people... Like, I don't know. If, if you had been in a coma... You know what I mean? During this whole thing. And you woke up and found out and somebody presented to you like actually what was going on that we had like over a quarter of a million people dead. 
you know, we had tens of millions of people like, you know, under threat of eviction, already evicted or just, you know, economically insecure. And you had to contend with like, you know, regardless of like who's in power, like I feel like it would break it would break that person's mind. Yeah. Right? To think that like if you weren't like, you know, aware and conscious in real time and were affected by this quick, rapid normalization and it just hits you one day, like your fucking face would melt yeah. off just contemplating this shit. Because I don't know how a society, what kind of psychic toll is this going to have on a populace? Like, will it will it really ever? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that, like you said, Terrence, they're really trying very quickly to, like, make you feel like, well, this is just business as usual, right? I mean, we're at a point now. I mean, there was a few articles going around. And again, me and Tom talked about this on the Patreon over the weekend, maybe in a little more detail. But, I mean, I feel like the details themselves have become a little more clear. But there was a few articles going around, one of which is that, like, there's not a single I think at this point there's not a single American that doesn't know but that doesn't know someone who has had COVID at this point but then there was something in the New York Times just a few days ago maybe just yesterday that said the coronavirus is spreading out of control in the U.S. overwhelming health systems and killing more than 1100 Americans a day um, and you know you see all these new maps with different colors on them they're constantly having to develop new colors to denote how bad things are getting in certain parts of the country and um, once again, it's just like we have to sort of find our footing here because um, there's a lot you can pack into this statement spreading out of control. I mean, we don't know what it's going to look like in a month. I mean, are, are, aren't we getting close to some states' entire health systems just being – I mean, like, can people even fathom that? Can they, can they even conceptualize that? Like, entire health systems just, like – becoming you know how you have a panic attack and your brain just melts down you can't function like that's kind of how mm. this might function at a systemic <laughs> level Boy, do I. a fucking entire health system just cannot go on it's just is overwhelmed and is um you know overflowing at the top so well, you, you saw that dark shit in south dakota where they were letting covid positive nurses continue to oh, work yeah they were so overwhelmed jesus so like that's a little preview of what how, of how you know just a taste of how bad it can be yeah or, or the tyson the tyson shit man where like their you know managers are betting at this like the poultry factory i think that tyson owns uh, yeah, operates that, that like yeah. yeah yeah man they're betting on people getting covid you know yeah. like betting how what what percentage of the employees will like it it again makes me think of like marx's um idea of reification you know subject becoming object and vice versa through this yeah. you know, process of, um, you know, commodity exchange and how like literally it does mean now that like people like because when somebody says to you that 200,000 people died or 250,000 uh, people or 300,000 people or even a million people like as a human being, you can't like conceptualize yeah. like visually how many people that right. is and i think that's that's like how they're able to get away with it too because like unless you're like you have like you know some omniscient sort of like perception you can't see a million people right right yeah. and that's what that's what kind of creates like this alien i mean you're already alienated but now you're inoculated from this completely because like you can't you can't actually perceive it you know visually speaking yeah and one thing they kind of did to us is like, you know, when they were like around the same time where they were calling us the human labor stock and all that stuff. <laughs> the capital stock. They were saying, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the capital stock. Yeah, the human capital stock. 
uh, they, uh, you know, they were saying stuff like, well, you know, they were throwing stuff out like, oh, well, 3%, you know, and like to the uninitiated, 3% sounds like not like a huge deal. But like you're talking like if that's, you know, allowed to spread all over the country and it looks like it's certainly trending that way and only going to get worse in the next month, month and a half. Like you're talking like millions of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Millions of people, dude. And like people will like, you know, sit here and say, oh, well, that you're being a sensationalist. You're being a sensationalist. And it's like, okay, that might be true. But like we've also like just went and pacified countries under the guise of not of a single Ameri- – if it's a single American life, it's worth going here and doing this shit. It's like, come on, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, come yeah. on, And also, also, though, Tom, if you would have said that back in March and April, people would have been like, oh, if you would, if you would yep. have literally said 250,000 people will be dead by November, I guarantee you – Half the goddamn commentary would be like, oh, you're being a sensationalist, or half your coworkers, or whatever. And it's just like, at what point, I don't know. I mean, it, it really frustrates me when people say that, or they say you're a doomer, or whatever. It's just like, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, at what point is it acceptable to just write that off as sort of sensationalism, or doomerism, or whatever? I, I, I... Not that we could have done anything about it anyways. You know, I mean, obviously, if you thought that that many people was going to die and you're just one of us on a podcast, you can't do shit about it anyways. But <laughs> but 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 Terrence and Tom, people die all the time. Right. People are always going to be homeless. People are always going to be like, Dave, this has been like just an idiot. I mean, I don't even. Yeah, sometimes I don't know if it's like I don't think it's on purpose, like conscious, but it's also like just part of the system in itself. So like the ideology like has to sort of like create new ways of like, you know, producing narratives that are like, you know, normalizing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and it's like, you know, Pete this like people people will say like comparing it to the flu, right? Well the flu right. kills people, you know. And it's just like, okay, dude, but like, this is oh, they, they, ain't, they ain't even on that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, they're like, well, you get in your car or drive to the grocery store every day, don't you? You know how many people die? And it's like, oh, oh come on. You know how many people get attacked by sharks? This you thing is yeah, already yeah, exactly. Yeah, this thing has already killed five times as many people die annually from the flu. I mean, and it's fucking mid-November. We still got another month and a half to go. What's really going to be mad? We ain't even in the season. Do what? <laughs> So we ain't even in the flu season on top of all this shit, really. Uh, But again, once again, I'm not trying to, like, black pill anybody. um, But uh, myself, personally, if you're trying to, like, get through this without going completely fucking insane, without it melting your brain like Aaron was just describing, like, um, I personally have just resorted to just essentially cliches. And by that I mean, like, I just repeat the serenity prayer to myself. That's it. That's all I have. That's the only thing yeah. I have right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, because, yeah. like, no amount of, like, reading or anything really can, can, you know, encase your brain with the kind of sort of preparation for dealing with any of this. Nah. It's just, a, like, you know, change what you can um, and... Uh, I don't know. Pray for serenity for the things you can't. The things you can't change. And yeah, know the difference. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, dude. It's uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, you. I think people tell themselves little lies, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I told you guys, but I have a friend who, she's a librarian. She has a coworker um, who just 
it completely has turned into like a, a COVID truther. You know, she doesn't believe in this shit. And his friend says that this coworker is really like sane and, you know, like still pleasant, but just a, a quote rational person. And um, she thinks this is like her way and a lot of other people's way of dealing with this, where you just completely push it out of your mind. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not trying to be preachy, but for like, you know, if you don't want to get doomer, just understand that like, this all of this is untenable and at some point like i don't know i mean i guess it could creep on like this until like you know a million people are dead but like we all we got is each other right. you know what i mean like just find that kind of solace in solidarity but also be aware of like what the fuck is coming and uh maybe i don't know you'll be better equipped to deal with it you and your comrades because otherwise this shit will make you crazy yeah, you're right yeah um I think that's a really good sort of point to go out on. I know we're well over an hour, but I kind of wanted to go out on a few speaker pieces, if you had any, Tom. It might be a good sort of palate cleanser. Palate cleanser yeah. here. There's <laughs> 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 little dispatches from back home here real quick. See what, see what, let's take the temperature real quick, boys. <laughs> My wife voted for Donald Trump. I'm going to divorce her. <laughs> He's told more than 35,000 documented lies since he was elected and has paid only 750 in income taxes. Everything that came out of his mouth was a lie. The Internal Revenue Service let him buy with owing $450 million and he was bragging about it. Thank you. <laughs> I guess Amy McGrath has been sucker punched again. But Kentucky used her and got ninety million. That's more than she would have gotten if she'd have won. <laughs> she would have been taking orders from AOC, Chuck Schumer, and Kamala. <laughs> and Kamala. More than she took from the military. <laughs> That's the best part. She would have taken more yeah. orders from AOC, Chuck Schumer, and Kamala than the military. <laughs> Kentucky can't be bought. She needs to stay home and raise her three beautiful children. The reward will be far greater in the end. <laughs> you got to hit him with that little bit of, like, Southern hospitality. You know, That's you know right. That's right. <clears throat> when I was a kid, we played Rebels against Yankees and the Confederates against the Union. And so did Dolly. Uh, made millions <laughs> off of it. That's a little ed editor's note. Editor's sorry. note. That's a little editor's note, yeah. The kids divided up and played games. I wonder if in 100 years from now, the adults are going to still be playing Trumpsters against the socialists. <laughs> hey, it's a good question. Yeah. Last one, and we'll go out. Wait, 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 wait. There's one more I just sent you that I want you to read. But Okay, two more, then we'll go two out. Two more. <clears throat> hey, Joe Biden. If you take all the carbon dioxide out of the air, what are the plants going to do, huh? Isn't that plant food? If the scientists are saying this and that it might be because if they said it the other way, they wouldn't get any funds, would they? <laughs> My favorite thing about speak your pieces, sometimes they don't well, punctuate right when I read it. Out, it's like, cut out a little bit there. Could you read that one again? I'll try again. Hey, Joe Biden. Tom, if you, you take all the carbon dioxide out of the air... Tom. What are the plants going to do? Maybe turn to go out. Isn't that plant food? Man, you gotta love... Can y'all not hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Yeah, we can hear you Okay. Uh, if the scientists are saying this and that it might be because... 
if the scientists are saying this and that it might be because if they said it the other way they wouldn't get any funds with that i don't i can't look i ain't try i ain't try bag on nobody's grammar because mine's bad but i can't do nothing with yeah it. I, uh, I, sorry i should have i screwed a screen that one before i send it to you sitting here watching the news on television one thing I see is the world's largest group of bullies trying to take an election they don't have yet. Thank you. <laughs> I do love, I love how the they've turned into, they've turned into the Hillary people after 2016. They're like, just a bunch of bullies. Oh, yeah. The Dems are just a bunch of meanies and bullies. Except, except they have like a way less body of evidence for their claims. <laughs> I mean, and the Hillary people didn't have a lot to go on either, but it's like light years ahead of this. Right, right. <laughs> well, that about covers it for today, folks. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you made it all the way through this one without completely getting just spitting mad about Tom's take on Dolly or... Um... Don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, Wait, Terrence, before we head out, can I mention one thing real quick? Absolutely. Uh, just real quick. I won't give too many details, but um, a couple weeks ago in Atlanta, there were um, raids on um, uh, organizers um, here in Atlanta, including a personal friend of mine. Um, he's known as Dickophrenic or was known as Dickophrenic on Twitter. Um, so pretty much I'm just pointing people towards the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. Um, if you could just spare a few bucks to uh, help some political prisoners, some comrades with some legal support. So that's um, atlsolidarity.org. Hell yeah. And, uh, you know. We'll put a link in the show description. Um, oh, yeah. Dick Afrenic is uh, a very good writer, and he's been on our, um, you know, sort of, <laughs> I don't know, sister show, The Antifada, quite a bit. Um Yeah. Yeah. their history is a weapon series and um and so go go help him out and go help them out uh, like i said we'll put a link in the show description thanks for mentioning that aaron and um Hell yeah. if you'd like to support us you can go to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash trillbilly workers party uh we got all kinds of good stuff over there um like i said got a good episode on sunday of me getting to hear in real time Obama stealing my very like my very own legacy right out from under my feet, um, and uh, and a final note: I think Tanya's going to be out for a little while. Um, I'm not sure how long, but um, mm-hmm. uh, she will be back. So hold your horses. Stop! Stop yelling at us. It's it's going to be yeah. Y'all, y'all got to deal with it's me. It's going to be International <laughs> Men's Day at the Trillbillies podcast for a little bit. I think so. <laughs> It's like, it's like when you take a birthday month. But people, it's just the fails for a minute. That's right. People were like, where's Tadia? I miss her. I'm like, motherfucker, I miss her too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Show me. Yep. Um, but so thanks for hanging in there with us and thanks for supporting us. And um, we encourage you to go with God this week and, or whatever your higher power is. The ultimate abstract. That's right. That's right. And we will see you next time. See you later. Bye.